Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for the love and support in response to episode two. Really appreciate it. Uh, it was really hard to speak about what I spoke about, talking about drinking and, and the regret that I have there was just, you know, it's not fun to visit. And so what better than to visit and revisit than a time period in my life that fucking sucked. <laughs> so uh, today I'll be talking about my dad and sort of giving an homage to him as well as address our relationship in its entirety. And most importantly, um, address the guilt I feel about the entire thing. Uh, before we get into that, uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and give my new song, Feel It Again, a listen on Apple Music and Spotify. I would really appreciate it. It's really fun and um, cool to be getting back into music and actually feeling like the music that I'm putting out right now is kind of the stuff that I should should have been doing the entire time. Um, I was talking to a really close friend of mine yesterday, actually, about it. I'm recording this on the 22nd. Uh, yesterday about it, um, I just kind of, like, said that, you know, I feel like so long I wasn't doing music in the way that it wasn't me. And it's pretty cool to be doing just anything that is me right now uh whether it be this podcast or the music so definitely go give it a listen i'm confident in it being the best thing that i've done so far in that aspect of stuff i know i've been out of the game of that for a couple years but um definitely give it a listen it's um i'm proud of it for sure um if you don't know though uh my dad passed away in december of 2018 a couple months after I turned 21 and that year had invited a lot of changes into my life. I had just moved out and changed jobs, namely from a job that resided in a place where I grew up, which was way more difficult for me than it should have been. I think having the um, symbolic like changing of scenery even though it was just to like, i live in bothell now like i haven't made that like major change in my life yet where i move out of this the state but even just like moving out of that area and like leaving kenmore was like super difficult for me um but definitely something that i'm super grateful for even though like it's i mean in terms of mileage probably like what six miles away <laughs> From where I am, if that. Um, but yeah, uh, needless to say, there was a lot going in my life, um, going on in my life at that time. Because uh, you know, leaving leaving Kenmore, and then starting a new job at Willow's Lodge, which is something that I was super excited and thankful for at the time. Uh, so just to like rein reinforce that what I did in the industry that I'm in or what I do in the industry that I'm in that I'm actually good at and that's cool I mean it's cool to know that you're good at stuff <laughs> so I mean but it was scary change is always scary but I will I'm definitely a big proponent of change because it's very good for people for the most part um, I was only a couple months into these change in, 
changes where I had to come face to face with the biggest change of my life, though, and that was no longer having a father. But before I go into everything, I do want to talk a little about who my father was. Um, he was born on February 23rd, uh, 1954, and was the youngest of three. Uh, he was son of Annette and Alexis Croteau, Alexis Victor Croteau. I never met um, him. He was... He passed away before I was even born. And um, Annette, I did get to spend some time with. Mostly when she lived in a nursing home, we would go and play at King's Corner with her and whatnot. Um, super nice lady. Super nice woman. Um, she was really cool. She passed away probably about, God, it's got to be a little bit over 10 years ago. I don't, I don't my memory is shit. Um, and I definitely <laughs> came, I mean, like I, I've already known that, but I mean, typing up this podcast, I was like, Jesus, I really need to get some guests on here. <laughs> Cause if I keep trying to talk about stories, I'm like, dude, my memory is so garbage. It is so garbage, but I mean that it, it is what it is at this point. It's all the weed. So I'm working with what I got. Uh, he grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Huge sports lover, and that was the topic that we probably connected the most on. Both of us would sit around and be the armchair quarterbacks all day long when the Seahawks were on, um, and he would always criticize Matt Hasselbeck for the timeouts that he would take early in the game or Pete Car Carroll for his overall game management, which is funny because now at this point I feel like I'm kind of having the last laugh with that situation because I've been criticizing Pete Carroll a lot lately and it's people are finally starting to realize it even though I've been doing it for the last three or four years. But again, uh, we obviously don't really know what we're talking about when it comes to sports, but it's fun to kind of like pretend. Um, so yeah, and we would do that together. Um. And outside of sports, my dad is probably, I mean, he was smart when it came to sports, but my dad is and was the smartest person I have ever met in my entire life, hands down. Mariddle, a close friend of mine, easy close second, and he'll be on the podcast uh, soon. Um, forgive me, though, for not actually knowing what my dad did as an occupation. I believe he was a project manager of some sort at Microsoft and he had a computer science related education. Um, but honestly, when he explained all that to me when I was younger, it went right over my head and probably even still now, if he tried to, I'd be like, I have no idea what that means, but that sounds cool. And sounds like you get paid a lot, which sure that was true. Um, but he was the smartest man I have ever known from history to math to science to even art. He knew it all. He was one of those people that you could sit down and watch Jeopardy and you would feel like he would actually stand a chance against most the contestants on that show. We would always joke that he needed to go on the show one day, but unfortunately that, you know, never happened. And rest in peace, Alex Trebek, by the way, um, super, also super nice guy. Um, no, I don't, I say that like I know him. Yeah. Yeah. My bud, Alex Trebek just, you know, got his uh, number on speed dial. Who even has speed dial anymore? Is that like favorites? I don't even know. Um, and I swear, I swear my dad was like a human calculator. He knew percentages, factors, conversions, like nobody's business. His brain was just in 
impressive. Bar none. And man, I swear it had something to do with his love for books. I'm sure it did. Even though in the years I knew him, he was delving into his love for Tom Clancy novels that was basically the only thing that you would ever see him reading. And he would fall asleep on the couch or fall asleep uh, in bed just with that book just open on his chest. Still have fond memories like thinking about that. But above all else, my dad was a terrific musician, guitarist and singer. Uh, I feel like not many people knew that about him, but then again, not many people knew much about him in the first place. He wasn't much of an open book like I am. But I think that, uh, and I'm sitting here right now, just thinking about it, just wishing I could have one more night to listen to him play and sing again. And that's a common way to feel when you lose someone that you would do anything just to hear, see, or feel them again. But in many ways, I have definitely felt him since his passing, especially whenever I pick up a guitar. And I actually, in fact, have his guitar. He never really let us touch a lot of stuff. He was very precious or he not precious but he viewed his more expensive items as very precious to him and I'm kind of the same way um but I have his guitar now that he used to play all the time and I still I've had it for probably a year and a half now weird um year and a half keeps coming up but a year and a half now and I still haven't played it uh which is a thing <laughs> I'm I, I I'm working on something with that but I still haven't played it um but yeah every time when I pick up his guitar I, I or a guitar I um, definitely feel him he was also an amazing cook which thankfully was passed down to all of his children I would honestly even say um humbly that I am the worst cook in the family even like compare my mom is very my mom's you know she she's a good cook um my sister is super experimental or no my brother's super experimental but my sister like my sister tries so much shit and i'll always like talk to her about um i would i'll always talk to her about stuff that she's making and i'll be like jesus i i'm so i'm basic with what i make i'll like make chicken and like a pan sauce with like potatoes and uh, vegetable and that's I mean right now my, right now my what I cook every day is literally the same exact thing and it's I just have green beans like rice and chicken and then I just like squeeze some lemon or lemon in the chicken lime in the the rice with some parsley and that's that's it <laughs> that's all I do um and and it's saying uh that I am the worst cook in the family though is still, I would say, um, quite the statement to make, especially considering my background in restaurants and overall love for food. Uh, but Alex, my brother, uh, he he worked in some nice places as well in the restaurant industry, and then he actually spent some time cooking on the line, so I can't say I'm better than him. And He's, su he's super experimental, um, almost to a fault when he cooks, but yeah. 
I always remembered, though, making Julia Child's recipe of Steak Diane every uh, New Year's Eve and getting excited because, A, I loved that dish a lot, and B, I got to flambe the steaks every year. And if you don't know what flambe means, it basically means that you, like, cook with alcohol and then light it on fire, and it's um, it's super sick. <laughs> and I was always, like, I was young, so I was like, oh, cool, we get to play with fire while cooking. Like, this sounds great. I mean, even still to this day, if I see, like, flame come up when someone's cooking, I'm like, that's cool. My dad was just a very well-rounded man, though. But unfortunately, he and I had, and still have, a very grave thing in common. Uh, neither of us ever felt like we were good enough. My dad was meticulous, and so am I, and we were both never satisfied with our work and or our accomplishments, uh, no matter how good they were. And because of that, my dad unfortunately didn't take very good care of himself. Um, I don't know the reasoning behind it. I know that he didn't like going to the doctor, or, or, or and I don't know why he never prioritized it, but I would wager his subconscious was telling himself that he didn't deserve it. Um... And I think that's also something that I definitely, up until very, very recently, was feeling as well. Um, it's like, why would I deserve it when I've done all these bad things? But again, as I've already previously stated, like we have a, we have a, a, a natural, like viewpoint to like look at things that are negative rather than hold on to like. They, focus on stuff that was good like have you ever felt i mean this is a rhetorical question obviously because nobody is able to answer my question here but do you ever feel like you can do everything right everything right everything right and then once you do something bad it's like you that's the only thing that matters and i think that's the way that our brains are wired about ourselves and i'm definitely working on and i think I'm getting better at, but I don't think that he was really able to realize. But like I like I said, when he, like I said, he, I feel like he didn't deserve it, or I feel like he felt like he didn't deserve it, uh, being taken care of or taking care of himself. Um, but him not deserving it is not true. Above all other things, my dad was a provider and sacrificed more than I could ever even possibly know to make the best life for everyone in the family. And the same thing can be said for my mom. That became inherently true after we lost all our money in the 2008 housing market debacle, if you will. He used every last bit of money to make sure we still had a housing situation, could go to school, or even could still enjoy some of the luxuries we had been accustomed to. Like, we went to Hawaii two years after uh, my senior year, which was, it was 2017. And I was like, we definitely can't afford this, but we're doing it. Like what? I mean, it wasn't the greatest decision in, in the world, but it was still fun. I mean, I tried, I, that, that trip was, that trip was fun, but it was also a time period where his health got bad and it was super obvious during that time period. So it wasn't, it wasn't as easy to enjoy, but we, we were still allowed some of the luxuries that we were accustomed. Like when we moved in with him, 
he went out and like bought us this TV and this couch so that we could play video games. And like, even though he never was like a big fan of the fact that we did that, he knew how important we viewed it. And so it was important to him. Yet, unfortunately, though, even though I can say all of these great things about my father, he and I did not have a good relationship when he was alive. So as you should all be well aware of by now, the biggest conflict me and my dad had in our relationship was my emotions and probably also the fact that I wore my heart on my sleeve. And my dad was super hard on me about that. He always tried to compare me to famous actors that he wished I would be more like. Namely, John Wayne was the one I heard the most. Uh, I think I also probably got comparisons to James Bond and stuff. And it's just like, these are unrealistic expectations that I'm being, uh, that are expected of me. And I feel like somewhere along the lines, I got sick and tired of those comparisons and just started to wonder if being me was ever going to be good enough. Granted, yes. I spent a lot of my childhood playing video games, doing the bare minimum school in school, and being pretty melodramatic about shit that I didn't need to be melodramatic about. But at the same time, I was headstrong on staying the same, allowing myself to feel my emotions, and it had its drawbacks because there were times where I would get angry and scream at the top of my lungs or sad and hysterically cry, but who didn't have those moments when we were young? There was so much that we just didn't understand. And for a long time, my mother was a lot more understanding about the way I felt about myself and the world. And so I kind of relied on her whenever I was feeling down. And my dad didn't like that. The way my mom describes the conflict to me is my dad didn't like the fact that I was so much like him when it came to my emotions he didn't like it about himself and he didn't want me to end up like him in that way which always confused me because the way i see it if i'm even half the musician cook or intellectual that he was was i would think i'm doing a pretty damn good job but if i'm looking at it that way as he would so lovingly say i'm missing the point he would always say, you're missing the point. That was one of his catchphrases. He just didn't want my negative feelings about myself to determine my self-worth and allow me to destroy myself. And that is something that until very recently I learned to correct. But it took some time and a few unfortunately catastrophic events to boot. And one very big catalyst... And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having something bad happen in your life and then a flip switches. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's like, I feel like some people don't, don't believe that that's even possible. A lot of people don't believe in change. And I think that's pretty a pretty close-minded viewpoint of the world, especially considering if you just look at yourself from two years ago, if you haven't changed from then, I don't know what the fuck you've been doing. But that's that's just not part of the human experience. It, part of the human experience is to change. And it's ever it's ever changing. We are ever changing. 
So the summer before my senior year of my high school, my parents decided they were going to be getting a divorce, which is one of the hardest things to go through as you head in to what is supposed to be a really good year of your life. I, I imagine things that could be worse than that are d dealing with death or um, something along that magnitude. But uh, I, And as I sort of talked about on the last episode, I relied heavily on weed to get me through this time period. I think for me and most other people part of a family that goes through a divorce... I thought a similar thing. Does love even exist? If the two people that are supposed to set the example in my life for what love is aren't even together anymore, what am I supposed to believe? And because of this, I went through stages of sadness and grief. Hell, I even still have dreams about the house we lived in during most of my childhood and teen years. It sucks. I wish that dream would go away. I, I mean, but I loved that house. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that it still pops up every once in a while. And it's like, it, it's like nothing has changed. We're all there. But um, the emotion, though, that resonated with me the most was just angst. And I spent most of my senior year just stewing in that. And it affected my relationships and also the, the, the thing that I loved the most in the world, like, being involved with drama I wasn't there uh, like I wasn't able to just be there I didn't take senior picture pictures I didn't go to senior brunch the only thing I did was prom and hell I even think I was at school on senior skip day and this was the beginning of my stoppage of things I loved doing I stopped showing up to improv practice and eventually one day the captain's who at the time were two of my best friends, kicked me off the team. So basically, yes, my senior year sucked. And I don't blame the divorce for it. I blame the way that I responded to the divorce and the reality that I created because of it for the shitty time that I had. But that is neither here nor there. And that, I mean, it's high school. It's high school. But I think a, a big part, the high school has a big part in what you do in between then and your 20s. And then your 20s is like the molding part of your life. And just know that I feel I need to bring this stuff up because most of my time out of high school, I frankly feel like I wasted to a certain extent. I mean, there will be times where I do, or there will be a time where I do, di will discuss, um, the time period where I spent isolated because I think that there were, was a lot that went on in that time period that I um, really got to know myself a little bit but other than that just wasted just smoking weed and drinking like I like I said in the last episode After that year ended, though, I was living with my mom and my brother, and that situation went really bad really quickly, as I didn't exactly have a very good relationship with my mother at the time. And there was a lot of fighting that I incited because I blamed her for the divorce. And mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I mean, I've already apologized, but publicly. <laughs> publicly, I'm sorry. But at this point in time, I can definitely understand. 
it's hard to love someone if they don't love themselves. That's definitely been something that I've said probably already a couple times on here. It's hard to love someone if they don't love themselves. And there's only so much that you can take. And there's only so much that you can do. At a certain point in time, it's up to them. And if they're not willing, what does that say about their, their energy towards the relationship? So after all that happened and we realized that it was a bad situation, we went to live with my father. And that is when me and my brother really had to face how bad my dad's health actually was. I mean, there would be times where he would fall down and not be able to get back up to the point where he would have to call for me and my brother to pick him up. And thinking back to this point in time is honestly still heartbreaking to me. No one ever wants to see their parents in a place like that, especially when they're only in their 60s. This time period was also a time where my brother and I were butting heads a lot. And from my point of view, my anger towards him came from just having to do everything around the house while he would constantly do nothing. And Alex has never, <laughs> has never respected me. And most likely, never will. And I, that is something that is out of my control and I've learned to ex ex uh, accept. But to his point of view, back then I was honestly a garbage human being. I was walking around with a fake gold fucking chain around my neck all day long. I didn't do anything but smoke weed, live at home still, play video games, and work my shitty job at the country club we grew up at. I wasn't a good role model. But even if I was, he was never going to follow my example in the first place. And not to mention, I made boneheaded decision after boneheaded decision every time I was faced with a predicament or even created one. I don't blame him for not respecting me then. And as similar as Alex and I are, we are, are also very, very different. Alex had bulked up quite a bit uh, during his time or this time period. He was playing football for Inglemore. And I remember due to our conflicts, there being a fight of some kind looming. One day he had left his shoes out and I came home and saw them. And I was just fed up with him making the place a mess all the time. So I picked them up and threw them in, back into his room. And he came after me. He got on top of me and started like roughing me up pretty good. And at points I couldn't breathe. But he was merciful enough to make sure that I wasn't, that wasn't going to be an issue. And my dad uh, heard the commotion and came downstairs. And instead of breaking up the fight, he protected the television that was next to us instead. And I remember just looking up at him and feeling just betrayed. And that shit cut deep, but it's, it, I can't blame him though. Cause as many, as much effort he put in, like into our relationship, I just, I, I would just butt heads with him. And I, I, I feel responsible for the bad relationship that we had too. And then Alex got off of me and like a fool I chased after him and saw that as my opportunity to get back at him for what he had just done to me. And then I tried to punch him. And then afterwards, he clocked me good. And I was like up against a wall. And he hit me and I like blacked out for like a split second. 
And then disorientedly, I walked up the stairs and yelled at my dad, asking him why he didn't do anything. And he said, sounds like you deserved it. And so I did something that to this day I still haven't forgiven myself for. I hit him. Have you ever done something that you immediately regretted? Something that you knew was so bad that you immediately said to yourself, you're a bad person. That was this moment. A poor, defenseless man that, sure, I had years of arguments and conflict with over our disagreements, but is still my father and someone that gave up so much for me. And even though him saying that and protecting the TV was shitty, why did I have to resort to something that was even shittier? And what's really unfortunate is this night is a core memory. That moment replays over and over and over again in my head and I can't take it back. And I hate admitting to this right now, but I know it's the right thing to do. But that just isn't me. And I don't even think it was me back then. Eventually, I moved out and into a home with two sweet old folks. And then after a year of that, I moved out to North Bothell and started my new job, like I already said. And my dad's money had run out at that point, and he became homeless, living in a shelter. And one night I got a call from my mother. And I was expecting that call um, because she was at the Nike store in Oregon. But little did I know we were not going to be talking about shoes. She told me my dad had collapsed at the shelter and that we needed to get to the hospital right away. When I walked through the hospital doors, I immediately knew what was going to happen here. I knew that it was that was it. I had a brain aneurysm and uh, had a chunk taken out of the out of the side of his scalp and my selfish ass <laughs> my selfish ass sat there and had the audacity to say who's going to pay for this. And to be fair, though, the family had fallen on really hard times. It was a legitimate question, but still another thing that I regret in this entire situation. It just wasn't appropriate at the time. But I think we all, I mean, we all know what money struggles can be like. The longer I sat in that room, the more it hit me and the more I cried. I wasn't going to ever get a chance to repair our relationship. I wasn't ever going to hear he was proud of me. He wasn't ever going to get to see me get married or see me turn into the man that I am today or the man that I'm going to be. And this all made me sick to my stomach. After some time in that room, the doctor came in and told the three of us, me, my brother, and my sister, that is, that we had to collectively decide what to do here. And I was firm that this was it and the quality of life was gone I didn't want him to suffer it's kind of fucked up when you think about it though ask the kids if their father gets to live or die that question alone is traumatizing but we all eventually came to the decision and then we were each given our time alone with him 
And while I was typing up the script, this uh, brought some tears to my eyes because I remember telling him that I was going to make him proud. And for a long while after his passing, I got swallowed by guilt, guilt and spit out by alcohol. And I had to... I had to just build and build and build recently because I, I wasn't living up to that promise for the longest time. And my mom told me recently too because my, my dad had... <laughs> My dad had issues with alcohol, um, to put it lightly. But again, I don't, I don't really want to, I don't want to like feel like I'm smearing his name or anything. Um, cause that's not the intention, but he had, he had issues with it for sure. And my mom told me when I stopped drinking that she's very sure that he was with me in that decision and has been with me by my side in getting over it and getting my life back. Because I know that that's not what he would want, would have wanted me to be doing after he passed. I know that, granted, there would be some things that he would wish that I was doing, but I think when it comes down to it, he would want me to be doing the things that I love. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. This is um but that's what he would want. And for so long I just I don't need, I I couldn't even tell you right now why I took so much time and thought it was constructive to just numb myself. But that's just what I had built I mean, for a long time, it's like that I taught myself that dealing with issues, substance and weed and alcohol can help you with that. And so I was just doing it. And I didn't actually confront everything with that I was feeling about this and feel like I could move forward until I stopped everything and got sober. And again, like, like I said, I don't know what my plan is for all that stuff in the future, but it was essential to move forward. When I think back, though, to the, the night where that fight broke out or any other fight that my dad and I had, I just wish we could have put our differences or... <laughs> similarities for that matter aside and just spend more time loving one another I'm guilty that I didn't spend more time with him and also like I mean we, when we were living with him we could have we could have helped take care of him we could have helped pay rent I mean I have a I have a friend that I used to live with that helps his parents all the time and helps them with the stuff that they need. I'm just like, I'm guilty because I'm just like, why couldn't I have done that? Why couldn't I have gone and seen him more when he was living at the homeless shelter? Why, why couldn't I have done all this stuff? And there's the, that's time that you just, you don't get it back. I think that's been the hardest thing to get over is forgiving myself for the parts in our relationship that I wasn't the best. 
whenever whenever I totally was capable of being better. And we always are. Always. It doesn't matter what age you are. You're always capable of being better. Now the only thing I can do is work on our relationship now that he is gone. And to be honest, I think we have a really good relationship now. As weird as that may sound. The other day I sat down and took some time to watch a movie that I, I really love. It's called um, it's called About Time. And if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest you do. It's on Netflix. And it's about a guy who lived in the UK who was a part of a bloodline where the men in the family are able to travel through time. And uh, without spoiling, there's a moment in the movie where time traveling to a certain point in time is not an option for the main character anymore. Yet he desperately wants to because it means that he would get to see his dad. And so once that moment has arrived, they spend one final day together. And even uh, to together, they even time travel back even further together to when the main character was just a kid and his father was a younger father. And they just relish the moment. The music playing is beautiful. And each and every time I watch that scene, I bawl. Because all the bad that happened between my dad and I is put behind us at this point. It's all love now. And I would give anything to have a moment like that with him again. And there's a, a quote in the movie that really resonates with me these days when I think about the situation or any other loved ones I've lost. The main character says, I just try to live every day as if I've deliberately come back to this one to enjoy it as if it was the final full day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. And I'm not perfect with that. Some days you just want them to end and move on. But I can say, I tell my friends and family I love them more than I ever have these days. Because I don't want anything to happen. And I don't want tomorrow to, to not come. And to know that I didn't say that the last time I talked to them. And I'm sorry that that sounds morbid, but like, I'm not saying that tomorrow's the last day, but I think that there, and it's cheesy to like talk about, like treat every day like it's your last, like some days do fucking suck and you just want to move on. But I think that, yeah, we are given a gift and especially when you think about guilt or grief, you look back and there's just so much regret for like wasted time. And so I think with your loved ones, especially just, I mean, you got to give it your all. And not only that, though, I make sure my days are as jam packed with a things that make me better and b things that I enjoy. And I've already talked about this a hundred times, but it, it also connects back to losing my dad. And again, it did take me some time. I think a thing 
that really resonates with me as well that I've seen online is grief is like a box and there's a button in it and a huge ball. And every time that ball hits the button, you're set off with the same level of emotions every single time. But as time passes, that ball gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So the frequency that it hits the button is less and less and less. But every time it hits, it's still the same thing. And that's just something that, that comes with the territory of grief. But it's, in a weird way, it's nice to have it. And I don't like to say that like, oh my God, I'm so happy that every time it's that, like I'm a, an emotional mess, but it's, you feel that connection again and it's never going to go away. That ball's never going to go away. It will get smaller, but he's always going to be there. And like I said, like I try and, I try and fill my days now with every, with things that make me better and things that I enjoy. And granted there is still one missing puzzle piece and being incomplete right now is there's nothing wrong with that it's still a part of the journey and as much as I miss my dad like crazy and wish that we had one more day I know that from time to time he is with me and that's that's really all I can ask for at this point I love him I'm grateful for him and I'm sorry that I wasn't the best but all I can do now is repair the relationship as much as I possibly can and just know within myself that it is better and ever growing so in closing thank you all <laughs> again so much for listening I know that these last two have been kind of not, I don't want to say fun, but they have been in the vein of me not being my best, but I think that that's, it's important to get it out of the way first. And I, I don't, to be honest, I don't really enjoy having these conversations, but I enjoy getting it out there and letting people, letting people hear them. So I hope you all are doing well and had a good Thanksgiving. This should be coming out the day afterwards. Um, I'm working on getting a video version of this podcast going soon, so uh, stay on the lookout for that. And guests are on the way, hopefully, too, so that's exciting. It doesn't will be falling all on me <laughs> now to get this all going. Uh, yeah. And make sure to like and subscribe and share this with your friends. I, I love you all a lot. I do. And I really appreciate everybody that has um, supported this and taken the time to listen because, I mean, it's these episodes are not short. And, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you. Uh, thank you also for listening without judgment um, and listening to the time periods where I wasn't the best. But like I've already said, like better and better every day. And remember, though, what makes us infragile makes us not break. And when we don't break, we are still whole. Stay infragile, friends. Mm -hmm.